1: By the Saints for a touchdown.
2: Eat your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy
0: Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown. New Orleans.
2: We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season.
1: That is gonna be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD
2: welcome to inside black and gold
1: and that is going to be a touchdown again
2: and guess who mike thomas now here are your hosts steve geller and jeff nowak oh baby we are inside black and gold steve geller along with jeff nowak on your nfc south leading podcast for your five and five (laughs) saints
3: yeah this is a celebration podcast right oh yeah we're only gonna talk about nice things. that would be kind of hilarious and everyone would be so mad if we just came on here and pretended that everything was great like guys this is fantastic we're in first place aren't you excited oh my gosh and it is like there's an alternate reality where you might feel that way right like there's a there's a universe where things could have gone a certain way and you're five and five at this point, And you're like, oh, we're, you know, we got everything out in front of us. You know, if, there, if it wasn't like the easiest schedule ever in the history <laughs> of the NFL. And, you know, uh, anyway, you weren't That's facing it. teams, best players, right? You weren't. You, were, you didn't have just have a run of three backup quarterbacks that I guess it's like you did go two and one. I think back before Kirk Cousins got hurt, I looked at this and I was like, if you go two and one, you will not be too, too upset. And at the end of the day, the reason you're in first place is because you went two and one. So like in that sense, it's just the way you got to that one is very (laughs) frustrating. Um, But all right, this is like like he said, this is inside black and gold. Uh, So we're going to this is we're going to change the format here a little bit. Um, So we're going to do this first segment. We're going to give you some updates on injuries, what Dennis Allen talked about. I wanted to wait until he spoke to record this because I didn't want to give you outdated injury information. Uh, So we're going to deal with a lot of that in the first segment. Second segment, we are going to talk about what didn't work, kind of how we've been doing it the last few weeks. I think it's been – I think it's worked. So we'll continue that. Third segment, what did work? And some positives from this game to going forward. There aren't a ton of them. It'll be a short segment. So let's get into it. Uh, first, you know, the, I will say one good thing about the trip up to Minnesota is I went to a very fancy steakhouse. that had a, uh, a very good meal. It was the the highlight of that trip (laughs) because it didn't get any better the next day. Um, One thing that I will say is I've been thinking about this rest at a certain point. Restaurants are just expensive to be expensive because like I know how much a bottle of bourbon costs. Right. You know, and so why are you charging me twenty seven dollars? For an old fashioned? No, not even an old fashioned. If it was an old fashioned, you could at least sell me on the fact that the bartender did some work and I should be paying the bartender. They're just getting it straight. I just, had, uh, I, I just got a bourbon rocks, right? Yeah. So I think, and it was bullet, right? I know how much a bottle of bullet bourbon costs. It was $27. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, guys? <laughs> it like, uh, in this, and this has nothing to do with the Saints, but this podcast is going to be so miserable. I just want to get to something first. So, like, in my head it's like what if if you would allow me to i could go buy a bottle of bullet come in here hand it to the bartender and say okay i'm going to drink out of this <laughs> you can keep the rest <laughs> but like that would be cheaper than buying two drinks at this restaurant uh, it's just funny cuz it's like if, like the, the cow is expensive, right? Like my steak costs $70 by itself, but you can at least sell me. It's like this cow was treated like a king until we chopped it up to serve it to you. You know, like you're not giving me special <laughs> bourbon. You're giving me the bottle I can get at Costco. Anyway, that's it. Either yeah, way, it for was some very reason, good. Restaurants are able to get away with that markup on liquor ridiculously. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, my, my I had two drinks. It was $47 for the drinks. <laughs> anyway, Manny's Steakhouse was very good. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that was a prime cut. The game was not a prime cut for a lot of reasons. And that's, the, and that's the segue uh, back into the fact that this is a football podcast, not a steakhouse podcast. But man, so <laughs> we, we talk a lot about how the Saints have had good luck with with injuries outside of, you know, the other NFC North Road trip where Derek Carr left with a, with, he didn't have a concussion that game, but he left with with a right shoulder injury. This game, you had Mike Thomas go out after the second play of the game. Uh, Dennis Allen said he caught a he took a helmet to the knee, and you know it just just didn't happen the rest of the way. So then Derek Carr goes out. I think in this game he went out with about seven minutes left in the third quarter in the Packers game, he went out with about 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So it was almost kind of a, a shot for shot remake with the exception of in the Packers game, you were ahead 17, nothing when he went out in this game, you were behind by 21 when he went out. So that's the other injury. And then Marshawn Lattimore went off the field with a ankle sprain. He left the game, did not come back. So, and those are only the significant injuries. Like it felt like every play, someone was cobbling off the field and, Like, so I know Alanti Taylor went into the injury tent at one point. Malcolm Roach went into the injury tent at one point. A.T. Perry went into the injury tent. Chris Olave was clearly dealing with something in the second half of that game. You could really tell in between plays, and I don't know how much they showed on the broadcast, but like he would run, he would be fine during the play, you know, because you can kind of the adrenaline of a play can get you through a play. But in between, when he was kind of walking in and out of the huddle, you could see he was kind of, limping a little bit. I don't know if that's that toe injury that he was dealing with previously. Looked like Rashid Shahid was dealing with something. Uh, It was just every player seemed like they had something going on. And, uh, you know, I know Mike Thomas retweeted a tweet about how the Vikings turf is like, you know, terrible and they're replacing it after this year. And it's like the NFLPA has deemed it like more dangerous than other types of turf in terms of lower body injuries. And, uh, you know, I, I believe it because that game was crazy from an injury perspective.
2: Yeah, it's wild that it's uh, acknowledged by the NFLPA. You think like there'd be some kind of like ex- expedited, you know, uh, what whatever to try and replace that as soon as possible, you know, because we're so concerned about the safety of our players.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's happening next season, so you can't do it in season. Right. It takes a little while and it's actually, you know, you have to pack it down, right? Like you can't just play on new turf immediately. That's uh, I don't know if people know this, Tulane practices at the Superdome in the offseason, or at least they did this offseason. And one of the reasons is because they replaced the turf and they want Tulane out to run around on it out there and, you know, uh, and to, to pack it all down so that it's not when you get out there for the first time for the Saints, it's not just all fresh. I know they've had like marching bands practice there too. Like it's, they're, they're, it, it takes a little bit more than just replacing the turf. Um, and with U S bank, it's obviously indoors, although you could probably have natural grass in there. I mean, it, it felt like on TV it, with
2: this light shining in, they lo- it felt like an outside game there.
3: Yeah. I mean, half the stadium is glass. Like I, I find it hard to believe you couldn't, you couldn't survive grass in there. Um, even if you just had to add some mirrors to make sure every corner gets touched by the, <laughs> by the light. I don't know. Is that how chlorophyll works? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> moving on. So we got updates from Dennis Allen today on the injuries. Um, he said that Derek's injury, he's in the concussion protocol, which is obviously difficult. And, but he does have two weeks to come back. So you have to, you, you'd imagine that he'll probably be okay to come back for week 12. The right shoulder injury is not a thing. Like it's just something I think they were being, having, being precautious is precautious. A word. Am I saying that? Yeah. there were just, there was some precaution yeah. going on with that, but it wasn't anything significant. So. From a shoulder perspective, he'll be fine. Um, Mike Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore, he termed them as quote, fairly significant, which that's kind of the difference in for DA in terms of he calls them not significant, significant, fairly significant. That's kind of his tiers of injuries. So I imagine what him saying that both of those guys would probably not play this week if they had a game. Now, two weeks. That's another question. I think I think Marshawn's injury is the more is the is the one you're a little more worried about. Ian Rappaport called it a high ankle sprain and high ankle, you know, anytime you hear ankle sprain, you want to hear low ankle sprain. Anytime it's a high ankle sprain, that's a lot more lingering, right? It just takes longer to come back from. And ankles are just tough. I mean, if you've ever had an ankle injury, I've had a, my fair share of them you know, it'll, it's one of those things where you feel like it's right. You feel like it's right. And then all of a sudden you try to put pressure on it. Like, you you know, you're, you're going full speed. You're like, I get, I got them playing basketball a lot and I, and then you'll land and it'll just go and you're right back to square one. And that's why ankle injury is such a pain. Um, the good news for the saints is Ike Adam, you know what to expect from him. You did see him for three games or two games. How many games did Paulson miss? You saw him earlier this season when Paulson Debo missed some time and You know, he graded out as one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL over that span. He was very good. So obviously, if Marshawn can't go, you lose a lot going to your backup. But you do at least have, it's not like you're starting Chris Harris or some rookie that you've never seen before. Like last year, you had to kind of throw Elante into the fire and he played well, but you didn't know what to expect this year. Now you at least know what to expect and hopefully it's not something that keeps him out for too long. Uh, With Dennis Allen, too, mentioning, I I don't think you brought up
2: they're not season ending, but um, they and and he also mentioned second opinions for Mike and um, uh, Mike T and uh, Lattimore, obviously. Uh, So I don't know if when you hear, you know, significant, I don't know, it's going for a second opinion. Luckily, not season ending. I'm just wondering even if both of those guys are going to be ready after the bye week.
1: I don't see anything as being, you know, season injured ending or anything like that, you know, but, uh, you know, we're still going through kind of some second opinions and things of that nature. So without really having all that, I really don't want to get into timelines Timeline. and things like that.
3: Timelines. Yeah, he, he learned from last year not to get into timelines with Mike. Cause, and, and that's the thing. It's like with Mike, it's just, you don't want to take any risks. Right. And uh, so I don't know, like second. Yeah. I mean, second opinions in that typically you're talking about okay surgery versus no surgery right and so i I don't know it if there if there was if you were looking at it and saying that this is needs surgical remediation to fix then you probably would be talking about a season-ending injury yeah and, and i know you know and nick underhill who gets this you know he gets the injury stuff real fast i think he talked to mike and he reported that it wasn't a significant injury and then you know, we we were tweeting about what Dennis Allen said, and he's like, "Well, I guess Mike or Nick got bad information." It's like that's not, you know, like when you're talking about knee stuff or you know ankle injuries, you really don't know until they do some imaging tests. So Mike could be there and saying like, "My knee is fine, right? It's no big but, deal." You know, you could have some like a minor tear or the MCL or anything like that 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 he probably wouldn't even register. Because he didn't go back and play at full speed, he doesn't. Right. There's no way for him to really know what his knee will do when he goes back out there. So hopefully that that there wasn't anything significant on the in, on the imaging test. But clearly, it sounds like you know you're gonna you're gonna have to brace for maybe some missed time there. You know, one of the other things that Dennis Allen talked about was he doesn't anticipate any staffing changes, which I'm not surprised by that. If you're surprised by that by now, that's on you. Kind of right, you don't know this twice. team then. right yes <laughs> fool me once fool me twice kind of thing you know it's like he this is a pass fail class the, the people in the building are gonna either fix it or fail with it and you're gonna go right. from there um the bigger question is are you gonna see any changes on the field I know and I know Stan Varett feels like Jameis should be the starter he was very loud about it on Twitter uh Stan Stan's a big Saints fan um and, you know, he was talking about how they should they should go to Jameis. And I saw a few people saying they should go to Jameis. Um, we'll talk more about Jameis in the what did work segment because I think he did enough to land in there. Even though those last two interceptions, there was a lot of things to criticize, particularly on that last one. Um, but, you know, I think he did give them a spark. And so you ask, okay, maybe you look at it and say, uh, we'll we'll think about this. We'll look at it. We'll, we'll have a conversation and say, maybe this is at the moment that you turn to him. But if, if you uh, kind of look at what Dennis Allen had to say about it after the game, I think you get a pretty, a pretty clear answer as to um, what they're, what they're actually talking about
1: there. Well, we'll see where Derek's at. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're. Uh, well, I know we're not, we're not in a, in a competition there. I thought Jameis did some, some good things. Um, but you know, Derek Carr's our starting quarterback.
3: Yeah. And I, and I found that entertaining because you can, I, I, he like that thought clearly had never even crossed his mind. Oh, well, you know, we gotta see where Derek is. I mean, well, well, you could tell that when he was initially asked the question, he kind of took it as, do you think Derek will be ready to start in two weeks? Right, and right. Halfway through his answer, he was like, oh, wait. They're actually asking me if I think I'm going to reevaluate my starting quarterback. There's and no he was competition. Like, you know what? Absolutely not. And, like, to me, it's like, so you wonder, would Dennis Allen consider going to DMs? And I think, no, I don't. I really don't. I don't think that's a conversation that's happening internally. And you can argue that that's wrong. And, you know, I think that it is wrong. You should be having that conversation. But I don't think that for a second you should sit there holding your breath for Jameis to be the start. They wouldn't go. I mean, they went to Andy Dalton last year and they stuck with Andy Dalton for 14 games. If you're not going to Jameis, then you really think they're going to go to Jameis now. Absolutely not. Right. Like it's just not what they're going to do. You know, you could say that's the wrong decision and you can make a very valid argument. That's the wrong decision based on what we have seen. But, I'm just living in the reality that we, that they have set for us. Right.
2: It's um, like, yeah, we, we had a cheap Andy doll. Then now we have an expensive Andy doll. Now we're not, we're not going away from him,
3: Right. And, and so here's the other thing. It's like, if the idea is, you know, <laughs> DA is trying to make decisions to save his job again, like we've talked about this. I'm pretty sure we've said this exact thing before going to Jameis is not, you're still going to, if you're going to fire DA, unless things get turned around, It's got to happen with Derek. If you go to Jameis and suddenly that $150 million investment, which I, I think the the $150 million number gets brought up way too <laughs> way often. Too yeah, absolutely. It, it's like, it doesn't really affect anything. Like show me the players that aren't here because you're paying Derek. Cause I, I don't see any, like, I don't, I don't see anyone who who went out the door for any reason other than someone paid them way above market. Um, you signed free agents, you kept micro. So like that number I don't care about, but down the road, you care about it. You aren't if you're changing that now, if you're cutting bait after 10 games, then you're then you are starting from scratch. <laughs> so, if for the if, if you're thinking, oh, well, da is gonna think you know practically and say, well, we can maybe win some games with Jameis, it's like, no, you're getting fired if you do that because that just doesn't make sense. Like, you, you like Derek and Jay Derek and da are kind of a package deal, right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, we we saw it last year when it looked like, hey, Jameis is ready to come back and play, and Pete and DA were both like, nah, not so much.
3: Yeah, and I think Jameis played pretty well. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that throw across the field was an absolutely unhinged decision. Let's be real. Like, I, I saw some, you know, the funny, the takes on it were kind of funny because I saw some people saying, what a great decision and great throw. And then I saw, but I think there is a balance there where you're like, oh, that's a bad decision. I saw some be like, yeah, Drew Brees would never have made that play because Drew Brees would never have made that throw. And it was a great throw, right? And that's the thing. It was a bad decision, but it was an absolute dime of a throw. Right. Right. And I know this because uh, if you watch the replay of it, you can see I happen to be standing like right at the corner of the end zone, uh, like kind of where the tunnel is. And I I just, I was just watching. I was like, they completely ignored A.T. Perry. And I was like, oh man, if only Jameis hadn't rolled out the opposite direction, this would be a touchdown. Like I literally had that thought flip through my brain in the split second before he just, (laughs) <laughs> it. You know, you saw that 90, 90 sudden minor fastball coming out there. Like, uh you know, back in his Florida state days, he just hurled that thing and you could tell AT was surprised by it. Like, like he, he, he had a kind of a late reaction. I think that actually helped him. The to ball actually brought him. Well, I, I don't know if that's the case, but you know, you talk about late hands, right? He kind of had like an unintentional case of late hands where the DB wasn't looking back for the ball. And so because he reacted late, that allowed him to get up there and make that catch or at least get his hands on it first. I don't even know why we're talking about this. But like I thought Jameis, he did he did well. You know, I think he did what you need your backup to do in that situation, which is come in, you know, just go for it, right? I was talking to Mike Haas after the game. Is like, I don't, has any, I, I've never actually seen a team pull off what the Saints. Looked like they were on the verge of pulling off in that game, which is, coming back from a 24 point deficit in three scores. You know what I mean? No, it was it was like all of a sudden things started humming.
2: And it was like touchdown, two point conversion, touchdown, two point conversion, oh, and right. then you had you had
3: belief again suddenly like holy crap we can do this. Well, I mean they cut it to one score with like 11 minutes left. Like there was <laughs> yeah. so much time. <laughs> and and the problem is like it kind of felt like they were not prepared to be within one score that early and they never got out of the mode where they were in complete, go for it. And it's like, no, just run your offense now. Like you don't have to get right. it all right here. You, you can just run an offense, but it felt like they were just so they were, they were just locked into that idea of like, Oh, we got to score fast. We got to keep going. We can't, it was like, no, you, you're rolling down one score. But, but like I like I said, I don't think I've ever like I've seen teams try to execute that where you score and you get a two point conversion. But I don't think I have ever seen a team pull it off in coming all the way back from 24. I'm sure it's happened, but like I've never witnessed it. And it was like because you could tell the fans were like at 24 points up. They're like, it's over, you know, like we're celebrating. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, you, you heard more Creed music coming in. Well, the Creed music didn't start until that the second interception. That's when the Creed music came in. Gotcha. But it was a little bold because that that Hail Mary I was a little closer to. I mean, that was a great throw. Like you, that's exactly what you want to do with that Hail Mary, right? Like you, you get it right to the front of the end zone where everyone's kind of battling. The only issue for the Saints is you don't have. You know, it's like Marquez Callaway was always really good at that. Like I think yeah. they. That's a situation where you miss him. He caught a Hail Mary against Washington. You know, Jimmy Graham wasn't active, so I had I saw someone be like, "Why wasn't Jimmy in there?" Who's that? I don't even know who that here. is. He didn't even have pads on. He couldn't go in there. But yeah, he would have been nice to have in that scenario, right? Wouldn't that have been nice to have your six five tight end just standing there, uh, taller than everybody else? Just saying. Yeah, uh, but. That's, that's basically the end of that segment, you know, and there's going to be injury questions. There's going to be questions about personnel. Do you make any offensive line changes? You know, do you maybe shift back to James Hurst at left tackle? I don't think Andres speed had a particularly good game, but you know, that's just the Vikings make life really difficult on you. There's going to be some interesting questions uh, going forward, but from a health perspective, I think, you know, that's going to be the, the biggest thing to watch is, you know, it does Marshawn and Mike miss any time. And if they do, how long? What do you do in their absence? A.T. Perry's probably going to get more run. I think he earned it. And then Ike Adam, And then maybe, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do at the corner position. Who's your th- who's your next man up at corner behind behind Ike? That's going to be an interesting question. Um, but uh, otherwise, you know, you're just going to have to roll with it and see what happens.
2: No, and I know a lot of the talk at the, the beginning of the season, we were, you know, projecting what should we expect? What do you think will happen with Michael Thomas – and, well, we, we just about made it to double-digit games, and that's what I, I, all I was asking for out of him. So I, I guess uh, I should be impressed he's made it this far. But, yeah, that's a, a tough out for him there. Obviously, the weekend he had with an arrest, and, and then what he took it
3: – it was a helmet to the knee, right, that basically caused the injury? Well, so I, I thought at first he might have been dealing with a rib issue because that first play of the game, he took a shot right yeah. to the midsection and he dropped the ball. The second play was apparently the one where he got hurt and he gives that, that little slant, which is like a slant. <laughs> and you got a. I a <laughs> first down. Yeah. I think it was, a, it was a nice little play. And uh, you know, it's funny because we talked, you know, it's like one of those situations where earlier in the season, he was like, I like getting hit. Let me get hit. You know, the Patriots game, for example, he took some big shots Yeah, and he was just like, yeah, throw me that ball. I want that ball. Um, But yeah, you know, that's, that's why you need to protect your receivers a little bit. But yeah. Yeah that that'll
2: obviously you know we just saw Mike deal with a whole slew of injuries and fight through them to get back and it looked like you know we we were finally past those foot issues and now
3: this crap happens with the knee issue. Yeah, we'll see. I mean I I don't I don't think it's season ending, right? Like the DA said that if it if it right. was anything that was, you know, major surgical, you I don't think he would have come out and said that. So hopefully it is something that you know they were just being they were just being again precautious um i don't even know if that's the word but you get it uh and, so and poor mike is now just rehabbing and sitting in his living room looking
2: out for those you know uh <laughs> construction workers outside
3: you'll have plenty of time to worry about it off on my lawn. lawn yeah yeah we, we didn't even talk about that that's a weird situation <laughs> but i don't think we need to i mean it's like it's it's gonna be one of those situations where people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, how, yeah. It's like he got in a, he got in a dispute with his with a contractor who was being a dick. Right, exactly. Like I've been there, you know. I'm just not I'm not Mike Thomas, so no one writes about it when it happens. You know, no one no one calls the cops on me when I yell at the contractor next to my house. Yeah. Well, that's what I, too
2: I think is being a little blown out of proportion. People are like, oh, those Saints receivers. All right, one of them got a speeding ticket, and the other one got into an, an argument.
3: Yeah, right. Okay, I'm not going to get worked up about it anyway. okay, let's let's finish that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into what didn't work. What what are we going to complain about the most? (laughs) And there's plenty. So that's going to be probably the longer segment. Final segment, we're going to talk about what did work. What did we come away feeling good about? And this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around. All right, and we're back on Inside Black and Gold. And in this segment, this is going to be the, the more therapeutic of the segments. And it's going to be what didn't work. What did all out? Did, and, you know, I, I was listening to Bobby's post-game rant, and he said something that I, that I found entertaining because, you know, I, I, I'm sure you kind of I've, – I've said this to you so many times. And I, I just don't like it's something that has been um, continuing and continuing and continuing. And I have not seen them do anything to address it. And uh, here, this is what this is what Bobby had to say.
2: Again, the defense has played terrible five games in a row in the first half. I don't know. Did y'all notice this who that nation teams look faster than us? I mean, I'm like, listen, I know it's all NFL players. You played this level. Like one time, Alante Taylor did he, did he not know maybe how fast uh, Joshua uh, Dobbs was? I mean, yeah, I thought he had an angle, I and mean, he just
3: ran right around him. We didn't even touch him, so that was discouraging. There, I don't know. Teams uh, just look faster than us. They do. <laughs> it's a problem. I've I've I don't know how many times I've said this, but I've said it at least a half dozen times. The Saints have a team speed problem on defense, and you know it's it's tough because. You know, Demario is a great player. He's not the swiftest of linebackers in the NFL, right? You know, I don't th- because you play man on the outsides. You kind of lose that when you're talking about tracking down the quarterback and getting him on the ground. And then you see just watching Cam chase these guys down and just can't do it. Carl is a bit better of an athlete at this point in his career, but even he's not a guy who you know I want. I want in pursuit. You know, if he's, he can catch guys in the backfield every now and then he's got, he's agile enough that like he can make plays in the backfield, but like you see it play after play, even Pete Werner, you know, like he was spying Josh a couple times in that game. And it was just like, he, he, he's getting beat, you know, a lot, a lot. I don't know. Like the funny thing is you can say there's a team speed problem. And that's what I just did say, but like a Taylor, you would have, you would imagine it's like, this is a guy who should be at an advantage, like he should be fast enough. And I still, I, I don't know. They don't handle it well. That that touchdown run, I still don't I think it kind of reminded me of the Marcus May play against Tyson Bagent, the fourth down play where, you know, he got kind of lost and like there was no one behind him to cover, but he still kind of held and it's like just drive on him. He doesn't want to throw that ball. Make Josh Dobbs throw the ball. He wants to run, force him to throw it. And instead he just kind of sat back and didn't do either. He didn't take away either. It was just like okay, you know like beat him to the corner do something you can't just let him run on an untouched like like a superhero like like he's got creed playing in his his helmet uh like man i just yeah, it, felt, I don't know. it
2: felt like he was neo the one and he just like was able to go through the matrix of our defense and just get into the – i was like what is going on I, I, yeah i guess the, the the speed issue reared its head. I know it was. It seemed like a huge issue in the Jacksonville game too. Man,
3: everybody on that team it's, seemed faster on offense yeah. there. It's been an issue all year, and it's just tough. Like you don't, you can't just fix that overnight. You guys don't get faster, <laughs> right? Um, like 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 I've said I've said this before too that I think one of the reasons they drafted Isaiah Foskey is because he is a very good athlete. He is he is faster on the edges. He can get out. He can stretch plays out. But you don't have him. He got hurt. Uh, Hopefully he comes back. And I think to me, that's what I want to see a lot more of is if you can get him back healthy and you can get him more in the rotation on pass rush downs, maybe he can be a little bit more effective in those situations. Like I want to see Cam on early downs, but I'm starting to wonder if Cam is the best option on pass downs. Ouch. It's just a fact. I mean, you know, this it's funny because everyone's like, Oh, we're going to get crushed by the lions. I don't know if that's the case because the Saints actually set up like the, that's the type of offense they want to face. They want to like, face a guy who's going to stand in the. Pocket. I was going to say golf ain't taking off right. Exactly. So like I think that's a game where they might actually go out and win it. They're <laughs> going to surprise some people. It's at the Superdome, but but then you're going to you face Josh Dobbs and you're like, who the hell is this guy? He's a magician, you know. And it, the funny thing is like, Josh Dobbs did play well. Like people are going to want to come out and say, well, the Saints defense just kind of laid an egg and and they did but Josh played very well in that first half and he played well last week. Like, I think he just fits in this offense. It's, it's weird, but he just showed up and it's like Kevin O'Connell's been missing this man his entire life. I mean, he right. runs Steamless, that offense
2: seamless, right? It looks like peanut butter and jelly together, right? Yeah. Just goopy <laughs> and, and, and not for nothing. Obviously can, can
3: anyone, can anybody guard Hawkinson, anyone, O- only hawkinson's own ribs the only o- the only thing that could stop tj hawkinson was his own internal body injuries uh because he-, he was feeling it you could tell like there was multiple times oh yeah he got up and was just like hobbling over to the sideline he went in the injury tent at least once maybe they gave him an extra shot of whatever he was on well, uh, something, something right yeah i mean i'm sure he got a shot pregame, right so he was feeling numb and then all of a sudden he took a you know So I don't know how how, how medically they they might be blurring some lines there about how much uh, painkillers you can take. (laughs) But um, he's very good. He is very good. Uh, And I mean. He definitely looked like Gronk yesterday. I have never seen a tight end that. I mean, he only had one catch in the second half. So maybe that the rib injury did kind of limit him a little bit more as the game went on. Right. Well, especially like you go in for halftime, you kind of lose some of that uh, yeah. you know, that, that adrenaline and then you come back right. out and it's like hurts a little bit more, you know, but, and he took some, like they were getting him down, but they were getting him down hard. I didn't, I know Tyron tackled him once and just like flipped him head over heels. That might've been the play that he got up gimpy because I think it was the one where they like checked to see if his elbow was down inbounds or out of bounds. I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the team speed, like I said, is, is a major problem. You know, one thing I asked DA about today is, you know, we we kind of, we talk a lot about the first half defense and it's been bad. It's been bad. They've gotten off to slow starts, but I think one of the things that makes it a lot worse than it is, is you're allowing touchdowns. You know, like I think we've seen in the past few years, this defense be on the slower starting side right like they they have if you go back and look at some of the games they've they've had some good defensive performances in they've allowed a decent number of yards in the first half but it's a lot of bend but don't break stuff they get into the red zone and they lock down and you're forcing field goals and it's like you can have a slow start as long as you're limiting them to threes you did that in this game but then you had three straight possessions where they drove the field and scored touchdowns and so if you go back and you look at red zone possessions and I think that first possession wasn't technically a red zone possession I think it ended right outside the red zone so cuz the Vikings were two for two in the red zone in the first half the Saints have allowed 13 red zone trips over the last 5 games which is a ridiculous number on its own that is insane cuz you're talking about not I mean you're only talking about two quarters so that's 10 quarters of football so that's really just two and a half games so you you've effectively allowed 13 red zone trips over two and a half games, which is crazy. And not only that, they've allowed 10 touchdowns. It's almost an 80% success rate in the red zone. 10 for 13 opposing teams are in the first half of the last five games on scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's how you allow 24 points in the first half. Because if you even, I mean, you stop one of those. Right. You hold them to three on one of those. It's 20 and it's more manageable. And suddenly you're looking at the first, second half and you score two touchdowns. You're right there. You're a field goal away. But no, you're not because you allowed that touchdown before the half was I think it was kind of an exhaustion thing more than anything else. But like, man, that was the backbreaker that basically won the game for him. <laughs> can this can the Saints drink their magic elixir that they get at halftime
2: before the game? I, it, it's just it's been maddening now. What is it, four or five straight start five
3: straight games? Yeah, no. I actually asked Tyron 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 right. in the locker room, and uh, that's what he had to say. You know, I know everyone's tired of hearing questions about halftime adjustments. It's more about just playing better, and but what what is different in the second half? Because it's just two, five five games in a row, essentially yeah, seeing kind of the same story play out.
1: Yeah, I think it's us just kind of being, uh, you know, I guess tired or you know fed up of you know, not really executing. I, I think that's really, you know, what it's all about. You know, you you, you make minor adjustments at halftime. You don't change your whole game plan. Um, you know, but every now and then, you know, coach stands in front of you and, you know, he's screaming and hollering and, you know, uh, you know, he's just telling you to, to do your job, right? And I think we do a better job of, you know, responding to that, you know, in the second half.
3: So it's maybe have that yelling conversation. Yeah,
1: early on, for sure. See, see if it works.
3: <laughs> you know, I said that as a joke. Right. But then he agreed with me. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe that is what he needed to do. So have DA show up and, read them and just, like, rip into him before the game, <laughs> even before they've done anything bad. <laughs> right. Who, why is anybody even smiling right now? Well, no, but I do think there's something to be said for that. Like, what what is the energy you're coming into the game with? Alanti Taylor actually was interesting in today because he said, like, one of the issues he thinks is they're coming in too hyped. They're coming in. You know, with the with their with just their their hearts and their throats and their their eye discipline gets lost, and then they they're trying to make plays, and then they just they lose their technique, and they just lose sight of what they're supposed to be doing, and they make mistakes. And I think there's something to be said for that. But at the end of the day, it's embarrassing what they've put the the the, the performance they've put on the field over the last five weeks in the first half specifically. And you know, it's it's remarkable that how they've been able to stop doing that in the second half part of it is when teams are playing with a the lead they'll get a little more conservative because you saw like against the jaguars like the second that they ended up tied they went down the field and scored immediately <laughs> so part of it is that part of it is like you're not taking any risks with the lead but they're also just being more effective they're getting into the backfield they actually got some sacks right greg joseph gave did him a favor and missed a field goal um they didn't, couldn't take advantage of it but actually i think they might have i can't remember if that was, yeah, no, I think that was, that was in the fourth quarter. So that was one of those possessions where they could have gone and potentially tied it and they never did. Um, But yeah. So, you know, the defense, you gotta figure something out. Like, I don't know what you do, but those slow starts are dooming you. And, and people are going to say, well, you know, the offense didn't hold pull its weight. And, and I agree, the offense didn't pull its weight, but at the same time, you can't allow back to back to back 60 plus yard touchdown drives and pretend to be a top 10 defense. You can't, that's crazy. You cannot allow that. And it's like, you, you know, the, when the offense is struggling to find a rhythm, which will happen, you know, your offense is not going to, never going to be humming, you know, you're not putting them in situations where they have an advantage. You're putting them in situations where they feel like they have to make something happen. And then, you know, it, it's, it's not conducive to, to good complimentary football. Cause you, as an offense, you feel like, man, we could drive the field. And they did, they moved the ball in the first, the first possession of the game and it bogged down, right. The second possession of the game and it bogged down with penalties. And then it's like, well, if we give them the ball back, they're just going to go right down the field and score. And, you know, I think that's where you see an offense play tight and that's what you had. And Derek Hart didn't play well in this game and the offensive line, I think struggled. And that, that blitz, the, the, that kind of, Brian Flores' scheme, we knew it was going to be a problem and they did not handle it. And, you know, it's like if your defense is out there helping your offense, that game goes differently. In this case, the defense forced the offense to carry it and they weren't able to. And this, you know, and when you have a defensive head coach, that's where my eyes are always going to go to first. The defense, if you're going to to build this team around the defense and say this is a top defense and this defense is going to help us go to the place we want to go because they can get, get shit done when we need them to get shit done. Well, when they're not doing that, what is the identity of this team? It's a losing team. <laughs> I don't even know if they know their identity right now, right? No. I mean, what, what, how could they? What is it? Exactly. Their identity is a mediocre second half team. A second-half team. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. But when you're down by 24 in the second half, I don't care how good of a second half team you are because that's virtually impossible to come back from unless Matt Ryan is playing.
2: Uh, All I know is obviously the the Vikings came out. You knew Hawkinson's banged up. They don't have Jefferson. Osborne's out and you got a Joshua Dobbs and that offense was just able to go like these big chunk yards, like six yards, eight yards, 27 yards, another nine yards here. And it was just like, damn, what? What's going on? I, and the, and we've seen that way too often in the beginning of games, and it just doesn't
3: make sense. Well, the frustrating part is Paulson Debo had a pick on that opening drive, and it just yes. Caught. Not only did he not get it, it bounced off his hands, and Jordan Addison caught it for like a twenty three yard gain. And it's like, a man, kind of be things like, to come. Kind of <laughs> felt like at that point it was going to be a long day, and it, it was. It's right. like, always it's always one of those moments early in a game that goes like that where you're just like, this is not our day. And and I think that was it. Like you can usually identify it. Um, but all right, let's, let's move on to the next thing that didn't work. And, you know, like I said, I I wasn't a fan of, of the way that the offense operated. I wasn't a fan of the way Pete Carmichael called, you know, like there were some moments where I was like, okay, I can get behind it. But then there was too many, like, what are you thinking? You, there was t- multiple instances. I think it happened twice. You ran for, 7 plus yards on first down and punted two two plays later like you did not get the first down the first one drove me insane because it was like you got 8 yards on first down right so you to me there's two options there to me you're either taking a shot or you're getting the first down right like I'm not getting cute there's no reason to get cute either go for a big gain go for a chunk play or get the first down and 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 move the chains Instead, they run a bubble screen to Rashid Shahid, which fine. I don't hate the idea of bubble screens, but that's a first down play. That's not a second and two play. That makes no sense. What that's that's a play that you run because you're like, we can get five, six yards here easy. It's not, it's not gonna be something that they're expecting. But like it's also a play, I and mean, we saw this against the, I think it was against the Titans. It was like, oh, you had like second and five and you ran a double reverse to Alvin Kamara that lost six yards and suddenly yeah. you earned manageable into unmanageable and that's what happened is is was Shaheed, they sniffed it out it didn't work and they lost like three or four yards and suddenly you're on third and six that's the only thing you can't do like i i'm all for going deep i'm all for taking a shot there if you want to but it should never be an intermediate this could lose us five yards type of play <laughs> like i hate that i hate that there and, and then we talked about the second half where it felt like there's like 10 minutes left in the game and they're playing as if it's a two minute situation because that's kind of how you had to play when you were down 24 points in the third quarter. I get that. Right. But like they couldn't handle their own success. They weren't prepared for their own success <laughs> and they just continued to call plays as if they needed three scores when it's like, no, you need one, you need one, we'll get one. <laughs> um, they couldn't run screens. The blocking on screens was terrible. I mean, that's that that's just something they have not been able to execute all year long, no matter who you're talking about. The blockers were there. They just couldn't find the the defense. They could not find the players they were supposed to block. and the, there was multiple screens. So there was that the first possession where the Saints got it and they couldn't go score. It was a three and out. I think they ran two screens on that, and they both failed. I think Alvin gained maybe one yard t- total. I don't know. I just I was not a fan of of a lot of the things that they did. No, like you said,
2: there was some, a lot of head-scratching stuff, and obviously later on in the game, things, you know, they definitely got more aggressive. Car got hurt, and you were down, and we saw Jameis, you know, uh, his, you know, uh, God's plan throws plenty of times, and, you know, it was fun for a little bit until, uh, you know, the, the, the end there where, you know, the, the last interception was definitely terrible, but overall, I just – I feel like we know the stats. We know we need to get Taysom Hill involved. And he was just, he, it was an afterthought in this matchup. And I know it's like, oh, you fell behind. You couldn't pound the, ball, the rock with him. And then they tried to get him. I think he had two drop passes, uh, actually, that, uh, from Jameis. So they did try to get him back involved with that. But uh, just a, a lack of Taysom usage had me also flabbergasted, knowing
1: how much he does mean to this offense.
0: Uh,
1: it was part of that a product of getting down yeah so quickly. yeah yeah um, I think when you when you get down like that so early in the game it it, it really limits a lot of things that you want to try to be able to accomplish in a game and so um, you know we got to be better defensively of, of keeping the score down you know in the game in the early part of the game so we can have a you know, what we what we have is our game plan going in offensively. You know, you kind of get out of it, you know, probably by the you know early part of the second quarter, just because you're you're now chasing points.
3: See, I, I understand what you're saying there. I understand what Da is saying. It's like you're chasing points, but at the same time, bullshit. No, that can't be the excuse when that has been effectively the 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 best part of your offense. To this point in the season, that is not a situational part of your offense, right? Like I understand you can't just run the ball and and get and get three yards in a cloud of dust and just stack first downs when you need when you you're essentially behind by four scores, three scores, eight points a pop maybe, but that's very difficult to pull off. <laughs> like, but but that's not like you're talking. You can get chunk plays with the Taysom Hill offense. You didn't even give it a chance. You didn't even try it, and that can't. That's not. In the second quarter, when you just need to extend a drive after your defense has been on the field for like the entire first half because you can't get a first down, you're telling me that that's why? You're not running Taysom? No, that's not an excuse. That's not the answer. Like That can't be it. Even in the fourth quarter, when you have 10 minutes to go and all you need is a drive, you just need to get downfield and score. That does not make sense. That cannot be the answer. The answer is we f***ed up. Like the answer is we didn't do the right thing. Not we got out of our game plan because we were behind, right? We didn't call the right place. That's what happened. And like, they did try to get Taysom on the first drive of the second half. And, you know, one of the funny things in the, in the snap counts that you saw was like Trevor Penning had technically zero. He had fewer snaps on offense than he had penalties on offense because he had one snap and it was a false start. Which, in his defense, the entire left side of the line falls darted, and for some reason, he's the one who got the call. I've always wondered how they decide in that situation because you're only calling on one guy, and he was like in the middle. Pile it um, on him. Maybe he moved first, but that is that's very funny to me. That Trevor Penning, he had zero offensive snaps, one penalty on offense. And that was a play where he was fourth thing short. You were going for it in your own territory. You were going to run Taysom. Jamal Williams got stacked up on third down, and you were going to be like, we're doing it. We're going. And uh, you never got the chance because of the penalty. Uh, but no, like that's – I'm, I'm t- like I, you can talk about the run game, and you can say – like there are things you do with Taysom that are not the run game. No, you, you can't just – you can't say just Taysom as a pass catcher in our offense, right? Because you're supposed to have Jawan Johnson. Where the hell's is Jawan Johnson? There's another guy that it's like, he was on the field for 51 snaps in that game. You could have fooled. You could have you, you could have told me he was on the field for five, and I would have believed you because he was a non-factor. He had three targets, one catch, two yards. That can't be the case. What is th- – it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um, and like <laughs> – I don't know. No, a lot, um, a, a dude, lot of go. it is it's a, it's a lot
2: of nonsensical stuff, man, and it's just like it is frustrating as heck. yeah, I don't know anymore. I'm going to have to pile on with the masses and say it it does come down to Pete and it comes down to the
3: DA, obviously. Both of them, it is coaching. Well, and it's like, the the reason this game sucks so bad is because it's like in in previous games, it's like, okay, well, the offense didn't play well, but the defense forced five turnovers and they basically won that game for you. You know, like in, in Indy, the defense didn't play particularly well, but the offense put up 38 points. And so you could say, okay, you know, it's like, we're still waiting for that complete game. Well, in this in this one, you got a complete game, but it was completely bad. It was bad on both sides. It was not, you know, in the second half. Yeah, sure, you played better, but the first half, you got housed in every way. You know, everybody was like, "Screw it, I'm not doing anything." I mean, the defense looked lifeless. They did. They really did. And they were, you know, it's fr- it's got to be frustrating. I understand why. Like when you when you just cannot get a stop, when you can't get off the field. That's why that last possession where the saints punted, I was like, Oh my God, they gave it back to him. It didn't matter how much time they gave it back to him, but they were going to score a touchdown because the defense at that point was dead. Um, So yeah, that's another one that didn't work. Uh, Moving on. One other thing that did not work in this game. And it was the penalties. I mean, they're back. Like I said, you got, you got just shellacked in every way possible. And that included, I want to say there was, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 penalties. Three of them were declined. Is that right? I think so. Either way in that, in that range, Uh, I'll tell you the exact number of penalties and yardage. So in the end, you're looking at nine penalties for 74 yards, but okay. So you had 12 penalties called three of them were declined. Rashid, as much as I love Rashid, Rashid is one of my favorite players on this team. I love watching him play. You gotta know where the line of scrimmage is. You gotta know you can't line up even with the ball. What are you doing? Um, and, and if it was the first time, that'd be one thing. Right. He has done that multiple times this year, where it's like, how many fu- you could go an entire season without seeing a false start on a wide receiver? I feel like he's got like five. And and it's like it's like that can't happen. It can't happen. God, no, mind mind numbing he, shit that happens, right? We've seen offensive offsides penalties in the last two games. And I I don't know, if again, you could go an entire season without seeing an offensive offside. Now, the one against Eric McCoy was BS. Like They said he moved the ball forward. It's like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's lined up where they're lined up. Where the ball is technically sitting doesn't actually, every center, anyway. But, man. So, yeah, I'll go through the list. I'll I'll read them all just just to drive home how crazy this is. So Foster Morrow, offensive holding, 10 yards. Carl Granderson offside, five yards. Marcus May. And that one I think might have actually been declined because yes, that was the one where he got he jumped and then Josh Dobbs went deep and Paulson Depot actually intercepted it, but it didn't count. And Paulson decided to burn like 37 seconds off the clock by jogging around for no reason. Um Marcus May, illegal contact that was declined. Lonnie Johnson Jr. illegal contact that was declined. Pete Warner illegal contact that was not declined. That was that actually wiped away a sack that the Saints got, and it was pretty a pretty soft call. But either way, you, you can't. I mean, you, you can't touch him down the field, like you know that. Uh, Rashid Shahid, false start five yards. Trevor Penning false start five yards five yards. Zach Wood holding on a punt for the second week in a row ten yards. Carl, I'm sorry, not the second week in a row, because uh, they only had one last week, but he has gotten a holding on a on a punt earlier this season. Uh, Carl Granderson, roughing the passer, 15 yards. Tyron Matthew, face mask, 15 yards. Rashid Shahid, offside, five yards. Andres Pete, defensive holding. I'm sorry, offensive holding, which was on the, the second James interception, which was obviously declined. Um, so yeah, those are a lot of penalties. So Rashid had a false start and an offensive offside penalty. And like, you're you're a wide receiver. Like you don't need to go. It it's, it's right. Gotta, it's like it don't knock, knock, knock. It doesn't make sense. Right. It's just it's very frustrating. You know, and and like I didn't mention Derek Carr in here. Derek Carr sucked. You know, like <laughs> it was one of his worst games. Like he wasn't good. He wasn't. I mean, the, the the annoying thing is his best throw of the game was the one where he got knocked unconscious because that throw, Ugh. that throw to Chris, where he stepped up in the pocket and he threw, he rifled it in. It was a great throw. It started that drive that ended with the touchdown to Chris. Like it got Chris going in the game. I think it might have been his first catch. Um, but I mean, he yeah, just that was another thing. It took him way too long to get involved, obviously. Yeah, he was holding the ball too long. He just, I think he got in his own yeah. head about the blitzes and he was trying to, he was trying to, I don't know, like it's tough. And that's why, like, just run the ball, guys, run the freaking ball. I, yeah. Uh. Like get Taysom in there. Like, do you, like that's a point in the game where you should have felt like we're going to use Taysom to help alleviate some of the pressure on Derek. Yes. He yes. please. He never did it. It's like, I don't want Taysom the pass catcher. Like that, that's good when it's playing off of yeah. doing everything else. It can't be like he's, he works as a pass catcher because he is in the personnel grouping and they're like, he's probably going to run it. Oh no, he didn't run it. You know what we haven't seen this year really at all. Maybe once is Taysom Hill running a play with Derek split out to the side. And people are like, well, why would that be beneficial? And because when you do that, they, you know, because of the whole pass catcher thing, like when you bring Taysom in and you have Derek Carr on the field, they're not going to give you that crazy big bodied personnel because they know you're going to run. They have to assume, okay, maybe he's going to split out. Right. And so if you're not doing that, Every time Taysom comes on the field, as a, as I don't know, it's just not a good setup. And like, there's no, there's nothing stopping you from having Taysom in the personnel and having him line up under center and putting Derek off to the side where he's a non-factor, but he at least forces them to play honestly in the defense. And you just haven't done that. So that's another thing. But yeah, Derek was not good in this game. Uh, Juwan Johnson was the other one. And then uh, the other thing we talked about was turf fields. The, that's all the stuff that I mentioned. Anything else that you want to complain about? You want to get in on before we move on? I'm just still really bummed out about how we haven't
2: had that Jamal Williams game yet, where he's broken out. Uh, really had a, a lot of high expectations for him coming yeah. into this season, and I, I think I've I'm, we've mentioned it at tons of times It's a dude that's had 17 touchdowns last year, and we're I just feel like he's
3: being underutilized too. Well, he hasn't been good. He hasn't, he hasn't been good enough. Um, right. you know, and, and part of that's on the offensive line, right? Like, you know, that the one thing that you can go look at Detroit and say for sure, is they have one of the best offensive lines in football. And when you're a power back, that helps you. Um, and it just hasn't been the case. I mean, that, that fourth and one that they got called for the penalty on, you know, the reason they ended up there was because Jamal couldn't pick up the first down on third and one. It's like, that's yeah. why you're here, dude. It's why you're here. Um, and but again it's like the offensive line and not blocking you can only do so much. But yeah that's that's it's a lot that we can sit here and complain there about. There
2: were times though in the the one the run game was kind of clicking early on and I was shocked they were ripping up some yardage and then they just uh, for whatever reason you want to talk about they did, they got away from it.
3: But like I said they had at least twice in this game they ran for seven or more yards on first down and didn't get a first down on that right. on that position. <laughs> Why not run it again? Right. That's, that's, Why not? That's, that's inexcusable. What's stopping you? More stuff. You're, you're, you know, hitting your head, going, "Why? What's stopping you from running the ball until they tackle you? Tell me, <laughs> what's stopping you from doing that other than yourself? Anyway, it's it's a whole thing. But maybe uh, P. Carmichael's got too much Sean Paytonitis. I don't know, but we yeah we, it. it mm, mm. Either way, that's going to wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the things that did work. There's not a lot of them, so it's going to be a pretty quick segment. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gell. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Hit us up on YouTube, WWL Sports. Obviously, if you're watching this currently, you are already doing that, so I appreciate all of you. If you also listen to podcasts, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit the subscribe button. Really would appreciate it. Uh, let me, you know, let me know what you think, what you want to see more of in the show. Give us ideas for segments. We're going to need them this week. This week's going to be weird. We don't have a game to talk about, so we're just going to have to come up with ideas. So if there's anything you want to hear about let us know and we'll and we'll find a way to talk about it either either this next episode or monday because uh, again that the monday is going to be the real bottom of the barrel one and uh and we'll and we'll come back to it but all right this is inside black and gold stick around inside black and gold if you haven't subscribed yet go ahead and do that ring the bell hit us up on wherever you get your podcasts incept the yeah, apple spotify overcast deezer uh i don't know i i, I, wanna... I feel like you're making up names because i've never uh, heard of Deezer in my life There's a lot of weird podcast names man. <laughs> uh but all right let's let's do this this is going to be the the slightly more upbeat segment and because of that it's going to be real short because yeah. there's not a ton to be upbeat about but one thing that we can say on the podcast, kind of breaking news, if you will, I think Mike Garofalo, uh, Garofolo, Garofalo—I don't know how to say his name—from NFL Network reported that Jason Pierre-Paul has worked out with the Saints. Doesn't mean they're going to sign him, but I do think that they will. I, I would be surprised if they don't because I think he just makes a lot of sense. As I mean, it, it depends on you know if he has other offers probably, and if he's healthy enough to sign. You know, that's always a, the wild card of okay. It's like this guy no says he's back, but is he? You know, and then your team doctors look at him and it's like he's, he's crumbling into dust. And, you know, so that's that's obviously a wild card. But I think if if there's mutual interest. I think you're going to have a JPP uh, on this defense. And, and I think they should. I think that he's he's a guy who can help, especially if Isaiah Foskey misses time. So that'll be interesting. And I would expect that to be a practice squad signing, at least at first, if it happens. But that's, that's glad to see, I'm, I'm glad they're at least, you know, you see they're looking because there needs to they need some help on the D line. Yeah, sure. we talked about it. We talked about it in the last episode. Like, yeah. I think D- JPP would fit. You know, it's funny because he played a lot of outside linebacker in the last several years with Tampa, and I can't remember where he went after that. Baltimore, I think it was Baltimore. But it seems great. Right. Yeah, with the Giants, well, his best seasons came with the Giants as a four three defensive end, so he can do it. But and he can also drop into coverage. He can he can do a little bit more. He can be you know that that kind of hybrid defensive end. So I think that that would be a good addition for this team. So that fits right into the upbeat part of the program which uh, you know i'm sure we're gonna lose a lot of our of of the people in here because they want us to complain and we'll get back to complaining once we hit the mailbag but yeah, don't worry about that for sure right but yeah so uh, one you know stock up is pretty much on offense and pretty much all from the second half so chris Olave, you know you needed him to step up in that moment and he did right i think he finished with six catches for 94 yards all of it was in the second half you know I don't know where what you know why he was unable to be found he was in witness protection in that first half but like I said that first that la- the last throw from Derek Carr in the game before you know he got hit with a sledgehammer uh, was to Chris Olave it was a long gain over the middle it was I think it was like second and long like second and 20 or something like that he picked up 19 yards and they ended up converting going downfield that touchdown catch put it to <laughs> music it was gorgeous yeah. um, and you know like Would I love to see him not disappear in games? Yes, but like that's that's the Chris Alave you need to get back to. And while it wasn't the huge supernova game that you would want to see, and like you'd want to see him put two halves together and really be dominant, maybe you know 130, 140 yards, that type of game. I think you you didn't see those kind of dumb mistakes. He felt like he wasn't pressing in that game the way that we saw in Indy, right? Like I think he's kind of getting back to that. The unfortunate thing, I I'm starting to wonder if there is only it's like whatever deal Ohio State has made with the devil for their wide receivers to be the best receivers on the planet. You're only allowed to have one of them successful at any given time. Because <laughs> like when when Mike Thomas is on the field, this doesn't feel like you get that Ohio State buff that you get when uh, when only Chris Olave is on the field. Um, but no, I mean that's that's a good thing for the Saints that he kind of made his presence known, and hopefully that can become more consistent uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, I gave him my player of the game
2: just because yeah. of that amazing grab. Uh, it was, it was really good. yeah, and then that's obviously like you said, this is what you expect to see. You want to see more of out of Chris Olave. Uh, something we did talk about in training camp that increased ability in those contested catch situations. And yeah, I I could watch that one on a loop, and I probably will on the bye week
3: to make my tears lessen. It was good. It was a good one, uh, you know. And like like I said, I think he was also dealing with an injury in that game. Like you could see him kind of hobbled a little bit, but I think like you just saw him be more of a more of a leadership style player in that game, right? Like you didn't see his his body language get bad. You didn't see right. the energy level. Like you think you know, you could say he quit on one route, which was the the thrown punt effectively. Um, yeah, But even then it was like that, that he's not a read on that play. He's not a check on that play. And that ball should have never been, it's like, throw that out of bounds. Um, Wasn't like there that, also that, one car through that? He kind of under, under ran. It's possible. I, I
2: can't or remember. Maybe it's target. a different receiver. I'm thinking about, I'm just blaming Olave.
3: He had nine targets. So he caught six of them. So one of them was that interception. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the other two. Okay. Um, but you know, I was encouraged by Chris, let's put it that way. You know, was it perfect? No, but I was encouraged. Um, the next stock up that I have AT Perry, you know, he's a guy that he has all the talent in the world and he just, the consistency is, is where you lose me a little bit. Um, you know, but he's a great, I mean, he's a huge target over the middle of the field. He can run, he can leap, he can catch. He's very athletic. Um, that the first catch of the game I think was a better catch. I mean like I I I love the route he ran. I love the like that's the part of the field the Saints have really struggled to take advantage of is kind of that intermediate middle. And you know, if he's a guy that can help in that regard, then you know, you obviously you don't want to be without Mike for an extended period of time, but maybe that that allows for excuse me. Maybe that allows for him to get a bit more involved and and you maybe see if you got something out of that guy. But, I, you know, that like I think we talked about this in the first segment. That throw by Jameis was just absolutely unhinged a decision. It was a great throw, but I still can't believe he threw it. AT, to his credit, went up and got it. You know, he told us that uh, a few of the receivers and the tight ends and Jameis have been getting together to, like, run routes and, and, and work on stuff on Tuesdays, which, you know, the reaction was, where's Derek Carr? But that's their off day. I think that's kind of like scout teamwork. It's not – because, like you're saying, some of the tight ends, you're probably talking about – the Tommy Hudson's of the tight end room, you know, and it's like, yeah, like you're not, that's not Chris Olave, Derek Carr there. That's, you know, the backups kind of working and getting extra work. And that's good. That's what you want to see for those fringe roster guys. So that when they get on the field, they're ready and it looked like he was ready. So, um, I thought that was a good debut for him or not debut, but that was a good first kind of foray into production for him.
2: Yeah, and obviously when he was brought in, you know, uh, everyone kind of imagined a break in case of glass of emergency with Mike Thomas kind of situation. And, you know, because he has that body type, able to make the, you know, contested catch guy of A.T. Perry. You know, we, he was looked at that as that being his biggest, I think, asset to the Saints when they brought him in. And with Mike going down, obviously, you you need that help. And, yeah, maybe this is, a, you know, hey, Rook, you got an extra opportunity now. Hold who knows how long mike might be out now but uh if he ends up being more involved in this offense yeah you want to see obviously uh that development and i mean there there wasn't any of those huge flashes i would say though like during training camp that made you turn your head kind of with perry but i i feel like uh obviously he was able to make those adjustments in the game uh this past you know his his first Real major outing, you know, getting his first catch, getting his first touchdown, and definitely, uh, obviously, you want to see him build off of that.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, he had a really slow start to camp. You know, there's no sugarcoating it. And, the, and his hands were the biggest concern, in my opinion. Like he was right. dropping everything. And uh, I do have like there. This game wasn't perfect for him. He's still a rookie. He's a sixth round pick. Like there's a he's, he is a developmental player. Don't don't get it confused. But you know, like there was more good than bad. You know, the one that I'll criticize That's is. The late in the game over the middle of the field, he kind of leapt for a ball. He didn't have to leap for. And because he did that and he got outside of his frame, it gave the defender more of a target to kind of chop. And he knocked the ball out. And it's like, if you just kind of keep your feet, make a hands catch, get down, you know, kind of defend yourself a little bit more. That's a, that's a big gain. And because of the way he went for it, i made it a lot easier for the defender to make a play. It's not an easy catch. You know, it's one that, you know, as a rookie, I think that you're going to watch back on film. You're going to be like, OK, what's the proper technique to go out and make this catch and protect myself? Yeah. Uh, and, and he didn't do it. But like that's, you know, there there are levels and uh, you'll see him go like we we saw him in the preseason catching a touchdown from James. Like they have a they have continuity and and comfort together. So I think that made sense that, that if they got James
2: going. wants to throw it up, I'll go get it.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna throw it up to anybody, that's not a bad decision. And like as as much as I'll make fun of that decision to throw it, he did put it in a spot where only AT could go get it. And that's what made that throw a great throw. You're still not gonna find a quarterback coach in the world that's gonna co-sign that decision. Um, but you know, like at that point you just needed to make a play and he made a play. It was third down. It's not like it was Not like it was second down. Like that's one of my, you know, and and let's go, let's move on. So the next, my next stack up player, Jameis, I thought Jameis played well. I thought he did what you need a backup quarterback to do, which is go in there and give you a chance. You know, he got in the game with a 24 point deficit and you know, they almost got it done. Uh, And you know, the, 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 the biggest critique that I have for Jameis is like, you don't have to get everything on every play. You know, like, sometimes you just got to live to play another down. And that thrown punt, because it really was. It was basically a thrown punt to Chris Olave. And it's like, maybe Chris can go up and have, make a play on it. But, like, there was no reason. He was covered. Like, there was no reason to feel like he was he was in an advantage. And it's like, that's third down. You're in four-down territory. All you, like, like... It, there's no, like, you yeah, you got pressure coming down your face. You can't take a grounding penalty, but you can still throw it out of bounds. Like, you could still throw it in the area that you're throwing and just get it so that it's out of bounds near where Chris is, and you can probably get away with that. Um I, I fault the play call more than Jameis in that I want to run Taysom there. That's an example of a situation. You got plenty of time. Just, get, just get, You have two downs. Run it. Get a first down. continue, Keep the pressure on, and instead you turned it over. The, the next one, you know, it kind of felt like he was trying to get everything. It was first down. That's what drives, like, not even the decision to throw it, but it's like you made a fourth down throw on first down. Like, you don't have to make that throw on first down. You got plenty of chances. You know, you're going on four downs. You get an extra down to work with. Check it down. You got time. It's like the two-minute warning. You got plenty of time. And instead, you're trying to get it all on one play. And that's where I'm critical, but... Generally speaking, I thought he moved the ball well. He runs the offense well. Like, that's all you can hope. Like, look at what the Giants are dealing with with Danny DeVito, at quarterback. Like, when you have to go to your backup, all bets are off. Like, the Jets are are trying to win games with with Zach Wilson. Like, the Saints are in a good situation with Jameis as their backup. Um, And I think that he showed you why, if you had given him a less impossible situation, maybe he could have brought you all the way back but you just asked a little bit too much Um, still. I I think that he, you know, there's a lot of reasons to like his, his performance.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that, that he was at least a spark for this offense that needed something going. And, you know, didn't all of a sudden seem like the panic button was pressed, even though, you know, it seemed like the end of the world was going on with now car getting hurt, you being down so big in the game, but I I still got to, you know, to me, I, I definitely wanted more taste in that quarterback, too. I thought we would see. And that just didn't happen.
3: Yeah, you just didn't use him. And it's like, he's, oh, we're chasing points. I don't care. That's your offense. That's part of your offense. That's not a situational part of your offense. Um, so three other things that I'll mention kind of quickly as honorable mentions, not nothing to harp on, but um, two point conversions. Saints are three for three this year <laughs> on two point conversions. And this is hey, not I'll, take, I'll take the positive, right? You know they got away with I think half the offensive line fall started on one of them and they just didn't call it. Yes. Um, but like I'll take it. You know like because there's you, I want to be a good two point conversion team. That's that is a good quality to have. And because the Saints were a really bad two point conversion team for a long time. Like I think they went like through the stretch of like two seasons without converting one. And so they're three for three. The other one came against the Jags. It was a throw to Alvin. This the last. So Alvin has gotten all three of them. Uh, the two point one. specialist. Yeah, he caught one against. You know, he'll the Fantasy owners will take it, right? That's two points right. every time. Uh, he he caught one against the Jags. These these two, he ran for it. Um, so that's that's a good thing, right? If you're looking for positives, being good on two point conversions is a good thing to be as an offense. Um,
2: yeah, like you know, just when it was happening, obviously, too. The first one you get excited over, and then when when they're able to do it again, it was like, holy shit, I'm feeling it. They're they're gonna do it, right? They're gonna oh. do it.
3: Right, because like I said, like one of the you know it's I don't know if I've ever seen a team come all the way back from twenty-four down in three scores, because usually you don't get to that third one feeling like you know you, you don't get to a situation where you're two for two and you just need a third. Right, usually it's like you fail on the first or the second, so it's like okay, we're two. We we've gone from a three-score game to a three-score game, right? Uh, but you kept it a you kept it a three-score game all the way through, and that's what yeah. made that, that like like that was you you made that a game. You just couldn't finish it off. Uh, either And the two-point conversions were the reason that you were still able to do that. Um, another guy <laughs> didn't get much opportunity in this game, but uh, Blake Groupie really needed a game that he just went <laughs> out there and didn't fuck up, didn't screw anything up, didn't miss any kicks. And he only got one attempt. I wouldn't exactly qualify it as splitting the uprights, but he made it. 47 yards. The 40 to 49 has been the bugaboo for him. Uh, he made it. Like, I think in turn like if he had missed that kick in going in this would be a long long bye week for the for the young guy there uh and so just in the sense of like confidence made a kick you you didn't have a chance at a PAT to even try but you know a one for one is one for one all you can do is go out there and kick them when they ask you to kick them and he made his only opportunity and that's He needed that. It would have been nice to see him get some more chances, but he just needed a game where something didn't go wrong so that he can go into the next game and feel like he's building momentum. So I thought that was good.
2: Yeah. To me, you know, like you hear 48 yards and it's kind of like, eh, you get a little uncomfortable. Like it's no gimme. You should make it. It should be a gimme. Right. But it it never feel, I don't know, 48, you're still like, ah, there could be. So, yeah, good for him. I know that's been an area that's been an issue, obviously. And – Man, oh man, uh, he he needed definitely, like you said, a positive going into the bye week to feel good about himself. And yeah, the, I don't think the Saints will be bringing in kickers to work out, like Da mentioned, like b- beforehand. Uh, since we had a clean game from him, uh, we'll just ride out groupie the rest of the way. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think, right. It's like they weren't, they were never going to bring in kickers anyway. So it's just nice to see, like, I want to see him continue to build confidence and hopefully he can get back to that 11 for 12 guy that we saw at the beginning of the year. Right. They're like, Uh-oh. hey, don't make, don't make us look like idiots here. Please help us out. Seriously. Yeah. They make at least one of our decisions seem right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right. The other one, one other is Lynn Bowden, caught his first catch as a saint. You know, it wasn't perfect. He double caught it, you know, but he almost dropped it. But, you know, give him credit. He does all the dirty work. So it's nice to see him get rewarded. Um, Lou Headley punted six times. And like we talked about this in the last episode, is he's still that first punt. That first punt, it's always bad. I don't know what it is. But, you know, so that first punt, I think, it was from the 49. 40, it was from the 47, and he kicked it into the end zone. It's one of the first – he hasn't had many touchbacks this season, but that was one of them. So that was a 27-yard net punt. But I'll give, give him credit, though, because he bounced back. His next two punts, 48-yard net punt, 48-yard net punt, 44-yard net punt. He had a 37-yarder that I think got returned nine yards. So, like, it was a 46-yard kick that got returned, which is rare. You don't see that. And then his next one was a 46-yard kick that got returned three yards, so it was a 43-yard net. Even with that 27-yard net kick to start the day, he had his net yardage was 41.1, which is right. I think where where the Saints would like him to be in terms of net punting yardage. So again, not perfect, but another solid day for him, and that's kind of what you want to see going forward: is just be consistent. Don't you know? If and it's like if you're gonna mess up, I'd much prefer you mess up on the going-in punt where you send it in the end zone. Than the ones where you're kicking from your own 19 and you only get it 28 yards, right? Like those were the 48 yard net kicks, and that's that's how you flip a field, right? Like you don't 60 yard kicks would be great, but if you can get 48 yards out of a punt, so you're kicking from your own 20 and that gets you to what the 22, you know that's a that's a win. Yeah, you know we we don't care about first halves anyway,
2: so you you can be shitty early on. Yeah, and you asked them to punt a lot. You, six punts in a game is a lot. So, I'm, yeah. I'm putting you in the uh, the column up for not putting any defenders on your list, so I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, there's no, no, nothing good there to talk about. There was no way you were going to sell me on anyone on defense this game.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, who would it be? Like, I, I genuinely tried. I was, like, trying to think of, like, if I was going to say something nice about somebody, who would I say something nice about? I just can't think of anybody. <laughs> um even in the second half like i don't think anyone made any big plays i think carl got in the backfield and and got josh to the ground at least once paulson didn't have a terrible day uh marshawn i don't think had a terrible day like again it was you know like there was tj hawkinson who was you know maybe, maybe maybe at a certain point you consider putting marshawn on tj but we know that marshawn doesn't go into the slot and so that would just make things complicated but yeah there was nobody there was no one
2: No, and that's why I said I'm giving you the gold star, too, for not even trying to push any of that nonsense. Thanks. I
3: appreciate that. No agendas. Uh, My only agenda is, you know, trying to get two podcasts done in one day. That's my agenda. So I can enjoy the bye. It's a bye
2: week for me, too. We'll do our whole breaking down the NFC South, the
3: toughest division in the NFL. The toughest division to watch in the yeah, NFL. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so we're that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. But yeah, so thanks everyone for watching, listening, whatever. Saints are bad, but they're not the worst. First place, <laughs> first place, baby. This is a first place podcast uh, and you know, we got, we got two, we got a week off. Then you're going to come back and you're going to have the battle for whoever gets their coach fired. Right. That's kind of what it feels like. It's like whoever wins this game, the coach gets fired. Uh, <laughs> maybe not this game, but like both, whichever team gets swept, the coach gets fired. Right. one and one and everyone just stays in misery. Um, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to see it, but thanks everyone for listening. This is inside black and gold. Who at Go saints. Top of the South. Top of the South. Woo!